Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's your boy, Val Cisco, dropping some knowledge about Anchor. Guys, have you ever wanted to record your own podcast? Don't you want millions and millions of people to listen to what you have to say, whether it's about Zeus, whether it's about sports, whether it's about everything that's going on in the world of quarantine? Guys, what are you waiting for? Download Anchor. Anchor basically is a one-stop shop for all your podcast needs. It has creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Number two, it's free. Guys, it's free. There's not a lot of freebies out there, so grab this. And of course, Anchor will distribute your podcast so you can be heard from different places like Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, and many, many, many more. You can make money off your podcast too with minimum listenership. So right there, guys, like, listen, this is a no-brainer. Download Anchor. It's pretty fantastic. I love it. Hell, thank you, Anchor, for giving me the platform to speak about all the random things that I do. Uh, it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So please, once again, download Anchor. You can download it off the Apple Play Store, the, the Google Store. I don't know if you guys have Blackberries out there still. Uh whatever is out there download it it's freaking phenomenal you guys won't regret it take care ciao Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another special edition of Side Conversations on Sideshow Conversations. It's me, your boy Val, always trying to give you the best in elite entertainment when it comes to movie reviews, comic reviews, and video games. And today I have a special guest all the way from The Stoop and from the Kimura Chronicles. It's your boy Jay Rance. How you doing, Jay? I'm chilling, man. I'm like, I feel like I'm out of my element, actually, because, you know, I'm, I'm doing a podcast this early, you know, like, so <laughs> it's a little strange, but I like it, you know, you always got to break out the routine and the comfort zone, so, I mean, I'm good, man. Of course, I know you feel a little strange, and that's because we're going to mm-hmm. do a deep dive into the classic that I'm calling it, because I feel like this is going to be remembered for the next five to six years. I'm going to call it a classic right about now. It is Stranger Things. It is on season two, and it's on Netflix, and I kind of want to let the dust settle a little bit after the last, what, two and a half weeks that's been out. People have been doing their little reviews, day-by-day reviews, reactions, mm-hmm. and now that the dust is settled, we're almost in a month in, I want to do a little bit of a deep dive. First and foremost, how did you feel about season two? Season two, I felt real good about it. I enjoyed it. Um, I actually enjoyed it um, over season one. So I have like, I mean, I really have no complaints because I just enjoyed it that much because I'm usually a person that doesn't binge watch, but season two, 
made me binge watch. And I haven't really binge watched since Sons of Anarchy. You get what I'm saying? So it was, that, it was that good that I had to sit here binge watch. I think I finished the, the season like in two or three days, you know, and I stopped just to, you know, give it a little rest. But I, I have no complaints overall. Overall, it's a great package. You know, let's say season one, two, Stranger Things is a great package. I have no complaints about season two. I'm happy. I'm looking forward to season three. Well, you know, I agree on you. Um, I love the I love the season from top to bottom. Yeah. Do I love it more than the first season? I'm not too sure yet. I think I'm gonna have to go through a second viewing again to see if I actually love it more than mm-hmm. the first season. And that's what I did with the first season. I watched it twice to see how my reaction would be. But I'm gonna go deep dive into it now and say that I give it, you know, maybe season one one edge over season two over a couple things, but. The things I did love about season two was just the character development. The, yeah. the fact that all the characters are fleshed out when it comes to the kids, when it comes to the teenagers, when it comes to the adults, when it comes to the part of the story, I felt like there were more twists and turns. And I do feel like we got somewhat of a payoff at the end. Not much mm-hmm. of it, but somewhat of a payoff in a good way. We're going to go into spoiler territory, so I'm going to put that in the notes when the podcast is released that we are going to speak some spoilers in this pod in this podcast, but I want so to ask, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah. Michael, but I just have a question. Uh, I, I want to dive into your mind. Which edges do you give season one over season two? Um, or the, do you want to save that for later? In the no, podcast? no, no. I'll say oh, it right okay. now. Uh, it took me by surprise. And that's okay. the thing. Um, whenever you have something that's like your first, that catches you by surprise in a good way, you're always mm. going to hold near and dear to it. Mm. Yeah, exactly. you know, this came out before, you know, the revival of it and a couple of movies like that. Um, Mm -hmm. It it, it fit the mold of where I wanted to watch a movie. I was craving for a movie like E.T. or Close Encounters of the Third Kind for a long time. So when I saw Stranger Things for the first time, especially with my daughter and other people as well, too, it, it brought a camaraderie almost of people saying, wow, this is like an event in a way. And where I see Stranger Things 2, I was craving it, but I wasn't as taken back as I was with season one. Yeah, because season one was your first um, taste of it. Like you said, it caught you by surprise. It's kind of like, I'm, I'm sorry it's a funky reference, you know, but it's kind of like your first time. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah just to keep it, Just to keep it, you know, toned down, it's like your first time. You're always going to remember that person. You get what I'm saying? So since season one was the one that sparked that magic for you, you were looking forward to season two, but it's like, okay, I already know what I'm getting into. This was like, whoa. And plus, since you were waiting for things of that nature. Okay, I understand where you're coming from. Definitely, definitely. And it's not to say that it's a bad thing whatsoever, because I do love mm. the series. The season was great. Uh, I was just, I felt, I maybe, not that I expected more, but I want something a little bit different. I okay. still feel that, and we're going to spoilers right here, that we could have went away from the Will character, because once again, I felt like it was... Um, you know, all connected to Will once again. And I feel like with the upside down world and the shadow creature, I felt mm-hmm. like it, it, it still harkens back to season one in a way where it's like a season one and a half instead of a season two, in my opinion. I feel like it's too, too close to home, whereas mm-hmm. maybe season three will change that. But mm-hmm. that's just my personal opinion. Did you feel that there was any things that you would have changed in season two or maybe... I guess maybe try to differentiate yourself from season one. Mm, 
Not really, but if I had a complaint, it's like you said, it all focuses around Will, but I understand why, because he was the one that got abducted. Yes. You know what I'm saying? So it's going to have to rotate around Will. But, um, and we saw in this season that they kind of tried, tried to um, cast it off between two characters. You know, it was like very Will orientated along with Dustin. Yeah. So, you know, I guess they were trying to mix it up between two characters. But, I mean, that would be my my if i could change something but i really wouldn't so because like i said he was the one that got abducted so he's the one going through all the trauma so that's kind of has to in somewhat he's the main protagonist you know what i'm saying in some ways he's the protagonist so question to you now that Mm -hmm. we look uh, focus on some things that maybe we didn't like or maybe we could have changed let's just focus on things that we loved about it because so many Mm -hmm. people can downplay the season saying oh i don't like this or i don't like that and i don't want to be that that's why i kind of got that out the way first and now i want to focus on the things that were extraordinary. So why don't you tell me, what were your favorite parts about this season? Well, my my favorite favorite overall was that it was more of a, of a 80s tribute. You saw more of that 80s culture in, in season two compared to season one. Yeah, you had the 83 or whatever, you know, culture, the 80s. But in this one, you know, you saw the arcades. Like, you know, that's when arcades were starting to become a big thing. You know, they were hanging around there. Dragon Lair, you know, that was a big game. Um, the whole Ghostbusters, and it, for me, it's gonna be everything geeky because we're you know we're nerds and geeks. Yeah, so definitely. Like, the whole Gus, uh, Ghostbusters, the the um, <clears throat> excuse me, what else? Um, the geeking up, uh, geek out session where they had you know I don't want to get too into it, but I think it was episode eight, you know, for later, so we'll discuss it and stuff. But I just enjoyed it more that it was an overall eighties tribute, you know. Then we also saw um a real prick in um one of the characters in billy you get what i'm saying like you had that 80s antagonist somewhat to steve so i enjoyed that as well like okay we saw a badass you get what i'm saying so i don't know those are the really things but the main one is the 80s tribute like i felt this one was more of a tribute to the 80s it was heavy orientated on that what about you what did you enjoy about no that? i totally agree um that compared to season one to this season two had more pop culture references all around, whether it be mm-hmm. the arcades, whether it be the music behind it, whether it be mm-hmm. uh, the homages to 80s movies like Aliens, um, especially with episodes six and seven, there's so many homages to the movie Alien and Aliens. Um, Ghostbusters, I mean, Steve's character going from you know the douchebag prick from Fast Times or Richmond High all the way close to escape to new york character in a way you know he do <laughs> turns into um uh what's my man's name from from escape to new york my man snake, snake right yes snake, yeah. exactly it's like he becomes badass overnight and not in a prick mm-hmm. way in a great way i mean yeah. I, I love the character deny- dynamics between hopper and 11 maybe that was yeah. my favorite part right there um being as a father uh, to a daughter and uh, to a teenager as well to see the reactions between Eleven and Hopper, knowing that Hopper has failed attempts with his past daughter, trying to implement yeah. that knowledge and that 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 protection as a protector to his to his I guess surrogate daughter now. It, it, it's very emotional. That's the emotional ride that I love. And people say, oh, it's too much Hopper. It's too much Eleven. We don't get enough of Eleven doing her own thing. We got a whole episode of Eleven doing her own thing. But I love the dynamic between them, though. I actually, sorry for cutting you off. I actually, I enjoyed that, that we didn't get that much Eleven. Like, I'm not trying to bash it or nothing. But, I mean, like, we know she's an enigma. We still don't know, you know, where she got her powers from or whatever. But... 
sometimes, and this is just me, this is my opinion, sometimes she's kind of a Debbie Downer for me. You get what I'm saying? Right. So, I mean, I'm sorry to just, you know, uh, but I mean, I'm just kind of happy that wasn't, you know, we got one full episode on her, you know. Of course. So we saw her, her brief, you know, pass and stuff, but I'm actually happy about that because sometimes I felt like in season one, she was just too much of a Debbie Downer for me. My question to you is, um, do you feel they gave uh, Steve this turnaround because they were kind of losing that character that he fell into a limbo that we don't really know what to do with this character and we might just you know, off him off, you get what I'm saying? No, I don't think so. I think what it was maybe could have been the backlash to season one's finale where you mm. saw Nancy and Steve together and it's like, yeah. what the hell happened? Jonathan was there the whole entire time busting asses with you. I know Steve yeah. smacked around the Demigorgon a couple of times with the bat, but it wasn't <laughs> essential as Jonathan was with Nancy. And yeah. you saw that play out in this season, but I think they wanted to give Steve like a redemption story saying, okay, you know, he was such a horrible prick that you just wanted him to be the one that died, not Barb. And yeah. let's try to make this character something more than what he seems. Because, of course, with Steve's character, you see so much growth from the fact mm -hmm. that he breaks up with Nancy or Nancy breaks up with him, vice versa. And he's off on his own. What is he going to do? Well, he's going to join the ragtag team and become, you know, a knight in shining armor with his back, quote unquote. So... I love the term for Steve. I thought he was essential to the story. I thought he was, if anything, he was almost the heart of the group that was yeah, lacking. Was. It, was, it was lacking. It was lacking some heart because they were all over the place. So many plot points were all over the place that, if anything, Steve brought everybody together, if you could say mm -hmm. that. Yeah, no, definitely. I, I started at first with season one. I really did not like Steve. To me, he came across, that's what they made him, come across as that prick. But like you said, he started turning around in season one, coming full circle. And season two, he just went complete full circle. So I appreciate his character after this turn. And um, it's like you said, he I love it because he has like that big bro connection with these kids. But he still treats them like a big bro, you know, where he just calls them shitheads and stuff like that. You get what I'm saying? Like, I got to take care of you guys, you know? So I like that kind of like that big bro um feel with the whole group like will has with his brother you get right. what i'm saying so i did appreciate that because he kind of he he and he became a hero to dustin you get what i'm saying like Definitely. he kind of became that hero for dustin to look up to him so i really appreciated his turnaround well speaking about will's brother how did you feel about i guess the the on and off will they won't they relationship between jonathan and nancy finally coming to <laughs> was it a debbie downer for you was it a little bit too much will they won't they or did you feel that it was necessary for the story? Well, I feel um, it was too much, first of all. Like, we knew there was chemistry between these two characters. We knew it was just a matter of time. Did they drag it? <clears throat> excuse me. Did they drag it along a little bit too much? Maybe, but that's why they needed to, you know, to, to let that moment grow, you know, to that, to escalate to that point. When they got to that point, was it kind of lackluster? Maybe. I thought it was going to be on some more heroic stuff you know him being down some demo dogs for her and stuff like yeah ah, you know yeah so did you feel like it dragged i felt it dragged to a bit like you know is it is the cliche drag like we know there's the chemistry but hey just get to it you know what i'm saying i did think it was cliche borrowing from different movies but at the yeah. same token though i think when they finally got together it was impactful especially when my man um conspiracy theorist was <laughs> oh, just I love egging, that dude. I egging love them that. on for like what almost a, like a whole day like are you yeah. gonna do it there's a pull-out mm -hmm. couch you know there's an extra yeah. bed just sleep in the bed together so i think yeah. when they both uh finally found each other yeah it was a trope we see that in different movies but it was yeah. nice to see that 
I would have definitely loved to see Jonathan be a more of a hero to Nancy than anything. Yeah. But mm-hmm. I think it was just they were getting together because of the events that happen in their lives. They both have scars, okay. so they both compare scars, and they want to, I guess, be with each other because they could see each other's wounds and try to close them. Even in the last scenes of episode um, 7 and 8, you see Nancy be there for Jonathan in a way more maternal, trying to hug him, trying to be there for him. So it's mm-hmm. not really like boyfriend and girlfriend. It's more of like, I'm your best friend there. So it's like best friends getting it on a little bit. Whereas if you look at Nancy, the seeds are already there for season three where that um, Steve, Steve and Nancy are still kind of there. You, you, yeah. you see it there. Steve wants her back. Nancy kind of wants him back. If anything, Steve's yeah. fighting everybody for Nancy still to become a better boyfriend. Oh, he is. And no pun intended, the seeds are there. Yes. <laughs> what I mean. But yeah, like, um, I don't know. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying. It's like they came across, they're nurturing each other because they went through this life traumatic experience. Exactly. So, but to me, it was just really cliche. It's like, oh, get to it. But that conspiracy theorist dude, I loved him because he just kept egging it on. You get what I'm saying? Yes. He just kept here like, okay, it's palpable. But can I just do it? You get what I'm saying? So, and then I enjoyed the, the scene the next morning. Where yes. he's like, oh, so Jonathan, how was the pullout? And then he just dropped, oh, I need the couch. <laughs> like, you get what I'm saying? So, yeah, but, I mean, it felt a little bit cliche and it dragged a little bit for me. Okay, all right. So, uh, as we end one relationship there, let's go on to another brooding relationship that was going throughout the season. It was, like, the triple romance between mm-hmm. Lucas, Dustin, and Mad Max. How did you feel that was going on? And, you know, from episode one all the way to episode nine, we saw just that blossom and finally culminating to the last episode. Yeah. I I actually thought the first time I saw this, I was like, I hope this doesn't hurt the bromance. You get what yeah. I'm saying? Like, that's the first thing I felt. I was like, okay, it's cool. It's awesome. You know, it adds more dynamics to the characters. As you said, it shows another side, more character development. But I was just like, please do not mess the bromance up, you know, because usually sometimes, you know, let's be honest, a female come between, you know, guy friends. Of course. So that's what I was hoping. Like, don't let that happen. But I'm just going to really touch the issue because a lot of people have an issue with this, that mm-hmm. these characters, these child are giving sexual desires. Like, right. you get what I'm saying? This is honesty this is this is stuff that happens these kids these kids are in their teens you know prepubescent or whatever you want to call it. so you're gonna have feelings like that and they just put it in there to make it the story more interesting you know so but getting back on um with the with the triple threat you know the romance and stuff i i enjoyed it it was cool i felt like it also um i guess made uh dustin and lucas closer in a way you get what i'm saying right like dustin kind of accepted defeat he was like, I forgot, I forgot what episode it was. I see the energy or something like that. It's bright. So I was cool for it. I don't have a problem with it. I just did not want the bromance to break up. <laughs> you know, when it comes to the bromance, um, I saw, once I saw the introduction of Dart, the little uh, mini Demi Gorgon dog um, coming mm-hmm. to Dust's life, I mm-hmm. saw that that was what the Duffer Brothers, the showrunners of Stranger Things, put in there. So that way, um, that that way Lucas and Max could have a little love interest going through day by day while yeah. Dustin 
was nurturing this little demigorgon lizard. You know, his focus was on that. Even though it was trying to impress Max with it, the yeah. same token, he had a connection and a bond with that that kind of strayed him away from Max and Lucas. So mm-hmm. I felt like it wasn't really two friends attacking for a girl because mm-hmm. of the fact that one person was actually putting in the work while the other guy was just, you know, goofing off trying to figure out ways to impress her with other manners. So I didn't see that I was going to break up the group. I mean, when it finally came together and they confronted each other about it, it wasn't even like that. I was like, you know, she held your hand. She likes you more. And it was like, well... You know, yeah. if you would have been running around that little Demi Gorgon dog all day, <laughs> you might have had a chance too, bro. So yeah. that was like a real big fight they had right there. But other than that, they were like, we got to get to business. Shit's going down. You know, the world's about the end. Will's going yeah. crazy having, you know, seizure attacks. Let's <laughs> let's try to let's try to help our boy out. Yeah, I, I feel you. And I and I agree with you on that, that while uh, Lucas was nurturing his relationship with Max, um, Dustin was caught up with the little demo lizard. Um, so I, I, I agree that kind of separated the tension of the bromance breaking up. But um, now I'm going to ask you about that topic that I just touched. A lot of people, a lot of people say it's controversial. How do you feel about these teens having little, I don't want to sit here and say sexual desire, but that little puppy love. You get what I'm saying? How do you feel about that? Um, you know what? It's always been in films since the 70s and 80s kind of calmed down in the late 90s and then mm-hmm. for some reason we thought from late 90s going into the 2000s that sex was never in movies or at least in pg-13 movies or at least these kids never had desires and yeah. if you look back into the early days of film of course especially the 80s every 80s kids movie whether it be in high school whether it be in elementary school they all are trying to score even if yeah. you look back in musicals from the 70s, Greece, it's all about scoring in high school. Exactly. So at the end of the day, yes, I know you're putting kids in a predicament of kissing each other and talking about getting naked or you're having Nancy and um, Jonathan getting it on and drinking beer and drinking alcohol at a young age. But guess what? That's real life. And especially in exactly. the 80s, um, that was the biggest thing that was happening. House parties getting laid and having moments as a kid and as a teenager so you know what is it the right thing of course not but this is where you tell your kids hey you know you're not supposed to be doing this that's where you come in as a parent and as say, a parent exactly don't do that it's fun yeah. to see on tv art imitates life but the same token you're the parent so yeah, no no start, no no you start talking about the bees and the birds the stork whatever you want to say you know you break it down i don't have a problem people might get offended by what i'm saying i don't have a problem because this is, this is life, and they're bringing it onto the screen, and it adds more depth to the character development, as we said in the beginning. And it, either or, any type of shock value, whether it's good or bad, is still good for the product overall. You get what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. So I didn't have a problem with it. I understand, oh, but they're childs. No, but no. At the age of 13 or 12, you started getting desires. You started crushing on your teacher or something. You get what I'm saying? So oh, yeah. it's normal. I don't have a problem with it. It's normal. Let's talk about our favorite characters. I know yours already, and we'll get into him. We'll do a deep dive on him. I'm going to tell you mine. And it was a mm-hmm. complete surprise because I stayed away from spoilers. I stayed away from the cheat sheets. Yeah. And when I finally saw him, I was like, Lord, this is going to be a great season because <laughs> he's in it. And it's Sean Aston playing Bob Newby. And Bob, <laughs> my man, 
Samwise Gamgee. You know, <laughs> he was a feel-good character throughout the whole season. Every time he came in, you know, clu- Clueless Bob, the nerd mm-hmm. that finally got the girl from high school. You know, the guy that's trying so hard to be a dad, or at least a stepdad, or at least a friend to the kids. Uh, you know, trying to make his way in his world, but in a good, healthy manner. I mean, mm-hmm. he was such a great character. It's a surprise he lasted so long. And spoiler alert right here, it was heartbreaking to see him die and oh, get really chopped was. up. It, it broke my heart. I was like, run! What are you doing? <laughs> it was that's tough. how much love he had for, for um, Will's mom that he just got, oh, you know, you're my everything. It, it was tough. I'm sorry to and, cut you off. And definitely. No, no, not at all. And I, I definitely understand that we're trying to ship the, the Hopper romance with mm-hmm. Will's mom as well, too. We've been trying to do that since season one. And there are seeds there for that. They, it makes sense. It's like a Nancy and Jonathan relationship where they've been through traumatic experiences. So, of course, they're going to be next to each other and try to build a relationship off of that. Especially with the children dynamic of being so close with Eleven and Will. So, yeah, definitely understand that. But I love Bob. If anything, Bob was this season's Barb. And even yeah. though people have a following for Barb, she didn't really do that much in season one. Bob did so much. If anything, he's the one that 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 set up the graph for the, the Dig Dug graph for the final <laughs> season to try to figure out how to defeat the Shadow Monster. So it was just, yeah. it, 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 if it wasn't for Bob, a lot of the plots would have never um, basically came up. They would have never really finished off the, the monster if it wasn't for Bob, in my opinion. I love him. No, yeah, he um he was that key role. Even when it when it got down for him to be hands on in the hospital, I mean in the government lab, you yeah. know, when he was running around the hallways, uh, decoding the computer, unlocking, turning on and stuff. So he was real critical. I'm sorry, he has one of my favorite lines in the in the season. I don't know why, you know, I'm goofy like that, but when um they were going trick or treating on Halloween and they gave Will the camera, yeah, and he was dressed up as the vampire. I hope it doesn't suck. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's just so goofy. It makes you just gravitate towards him. Like, you know, he was just so chill. Like you said, he wanted to be that father figure. And he even, I think he even asked um, Will's mom to, like, run away. Let's start a family, yeah. you know. Let's, let's move, move away. Yeah. Yeah, let's move away. So, um, yeah, I gravitated to him instantly. It sucked that I knew he was going to die. Just like you said, to transition that hopper um, and Will's mom. Um, really, I don't What's her name? I keep well, forgetting. Winona Ryder. Winona Ryder, yeah. <laughs> so, um that relationship, you know, because you saw that chemistry and that's on the screen. So it had to happen. It was real heartbreaking when it happened because I was like, dude, you're getting chewed up by demo dogs. Yeah, no. It was like, so it was tough and um, it kind of sucked, but it had to happen. It yeah. had to happen. Definitely. And, and definitely. And you know what? His character w- was an integral role to the plot in a good way and a bad way, too, mm-hmm. because if it wasn't for. Bob's advice to Will to stand up I to your de- to demons. Yeah. You know, maybe that would have never happened, but I do have a feeling that no matter what, you know, in the upside down world, you know, the shadow monster would have found Will anyway and done what he did. A la uh, almost uh, what's what's the evil dead going through your body, going through holes in your body, trying to, you know, get into mm. your system. Yeah. But, you know, it's also Bob being clueless. So people I hear all the time saying maybe Bob was evil. Maybe Bob was in on it the whole time. Oh, Bob no, is just not. clueless about yeah. the situation, number one. And two, trying to be a, a good father figure to Will mm-hmm. as well, too. So, uh, you know, I think he was just incredible. But enough about Bob. 
you know, rest in peace, Bob. <laughs> R.I.P. Bob. <laughs> so my question to you real quick before we move on from Bob and let him rest in peace with his protein shake. <laughs> like, um, <laughs> do you feel his advice was bad or do you feel his advice was good? No, no. I feel his advice is great. That's the same advice yeah. we will all give the kids if they're getting yeah. bullied or something was happening. Like mm-hmm. I said, like um, people really trying to ship the idea that he was working with the upside down world. It makes no sense whatsoever. Yeah, it makes no sense whatsoever. Yeah. You know, he was just being, you know, the coolest stepdad that wants to help out way too much and way too um, hard on, on these kids right here. Especially Will, you know, he was trying so hard just to get through to Will in a, in a fatherly level and a friend level as well, too. And he's using his own experiences of being bullied um, to help Will out. So it, it, it was integral to the plot. Yeah, now, definitely. let's talk about your favorite character. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know me. Sometimes I'm a prick. So I'm a roll with the prick. And I have to go with the most epic name of the series. My son, Billy Hardgrove. <laughs> <laughs> I have to roll with Max's brother. Because he is such a prick. And um, I also feel like he helped out. I mean... He broke out of that show, but I also feel like he was such a great compliment for Steve, for Steve to toughen up. You get what I'm saying? Definitely. After what he's been through. So I feel like he was that great protagonist. I mean, antagonist for Steve. Like, I enjoyed the hell out of him. And at first, I didn't like him because their story just can't. I feel like they just, like, dropped it on us. Like, hey, where did these two dudes come from? You get what I'm saying? Like, what are they here? What, why are they here? Because I remember at one point, he was like, we're here because it's your fault. You know, he was telling Max, like, you know, but... I just really enjoyed him because he was such a great villain, but not being too villainous in the sense of, you know, crimes or anything like that. You get what I'm saying? He was just a real stuck up prick. But then I also enjoy that you see why he's like that. He is in an abusive father and um, son relationship. Right. You see, it, you see it in the show where his father just mushed him up and started disrespecting him and beating him and stuff like that. Go find your sister. So you kind of... I felt a little bad for him, and I see why he's like that. You know, that's why you can see a little bit of the hate towards Max because he's still a young child—not child, but he's still a young teen as well. So he grew some resent towards Max, and that's why you see it come out on the screen. So you kind of, yeah, it's not right, but you do see it. Um, you do kind of like could justify it. But I'm not trying to justify it. Don't get me wrong, but you know, so he also had a little downside to him. But I just loved everything about him. He was that '80s prick. Oh, uh, my man was lifting weights, curling irons, smoking cigarettes, listening to like rat, you know, and stuff like that. Like, so I just enjoyed him. I feel like it was a fresh addition as well to the show, uh, aside from a lot of these goody two shoes. You get what I'm saying? Right. Along uh, um, with the whole with the whole kids with um, Jonathan and Steve, you know, like he was Steve in season one to Max. You get what I'm saying? Definitely. He just came in here into the town. Hey, this is who I am. I'm a prick what's up you know you guys are gonna love me or hate me so let's just roll with it but i really enjoyed it more for that aspect that he freshened up the show for me because oh, yeah. like season one was like okay goody two shoes you know oh, yeah they're young they're innocent and here comes this dude also he's a prick because in um i forgot what was it episode nine he tries to kick it to nancy's mother yes he's the ultimate creeper like hey you know so like but then you saw him that he got humbled when um, Max, you know, syringed him and stuff, like, stay away from my friends, you know. So I just overall love his character. It was good and bad at the same time, you know. And like I said, you do see his 
his way for being like that. Not trying to justify it, but you see that he's in an abusive relationship with his father. Oh, definitely. You know, Billy, the former Red Ranger from the latest Power Ranger movie that came out. I was trying yeah. to figure it out. So I was like, I know his face. I'm like, oh, you're the Red Ranger. Right. That's where he's from. Okay. So looking at him, um, yes, he was definitely a product of his environment, especially with an abusive father. And it's hard to really justify that. I mean, in some cases, you can see why his dad's on his case because, you know, my man, you're smoking cigarettes, you're not caring about your mm -hmm. sister, you know, you're dropping her off, you know, your stepsister were gone into a marriage now, you're just losing her for no freaking reason, not even caring. You're about to slay yeah. some poontang and not even mm -hmm. care about family. So yeah, I can see yeah. why as a as a father, you're gonna get on the case of a son like that, especially when you know your son's beefy curling up irons, looking <laughs> like looking like, you know, trying to be Arnold and whatnot with a mullet. You know, sometimes as a dad, you got to, you know, shut that down real quickly. But at the same time, though, yes, he's a product of what his father is doing to him. Yeah. He's going to show the same way to, uh, that his father is getting the same, I guess, intensity that his father is giving him to, uh, to Max. At the same mm -hmm. token, it was hard for me to get into him at first. I, at first, it was cool because, yeah, you know, you got the mullet. You're going shirtless playing basketball with the tube socks. <laughs> with the tube socks. You know, <laughs> you're playing Danger Zone in your Mustang car. <laughs> so it, it, it's, you want to rally behind the cheesy 80s enemy. The same token, I, I was really, uh, I felt uneased whenever I saw him and Max together for the first couple episodes because we didn't know what was going on. They didn't mm -hmm. announce it. You know, it looked like a brother sister relationship. But then, you know, when a chick came, and it was like, don't call her my sister. She's not my sister. Yeah. It was like, well, what is this? You're not seeing parents in the household. You're not seeing nobody. You know that they live together. You know that they mm -hmm. left the town for some reason. He blames her. So it's just like some kind of, I don't know, weird, weird, like, I guess, I don't want to say sexual because I know that's a little No, it was, kind, right it, was, it was kind of creepy. Yeah, it, it was. Cutting you off. It's kind of creepy because, like I said, you see that it's a real abusive relationship, but the show gives you no substance to why this damn near 18-year-old looking guy is running around with this 12-year-old, you know? So then, you know, they drop it real quick. That's not my sister. So you kind of like, okay, what happened? Then you start questioning Matro, like, what did she do? You know, because he's putting the blame on her completely, you know? So then you saw towards the end where, you know, I guess his father married his stepmother and they moved to Hawkins. And now you see why he's like that with her. Mm. Like I said, I'm not justifying it, but it also makes you feel that I enjoyed it. Not a lot of people may have seen it like that, but I enjoyed it to a sense where he's a prick, but he's still protective of her. You get what I'm saying? Like he was trying to tell Lucas, um, stay away, you know, okay. stay away. I wanted, to touch, on that. I wanted yeah. to touch on that because you see his resentment toward Lucas. Now, I want mm. to know from your, from your own view, is this... A big brother role, or do you think it has something to do with racism as well, too? Because Lucas is black, and mm -hmm. you know they kind of play with with that role throughout the throughout the show, uh, yeah, especially with the Ghostbusters part. With the Ghostbusters, know, yeah. no one wants to be Ernie, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Why? Because he's black. <laughs> you know, it's tough. But the same token, I, I just didn't see a legitimate reason why Billy hated Lucas so much besides his race. I mean, it wasn't like he cared enough about Max to begin with to, to protect her in that way. Mm. So I want to hear your thoughts on that. You know what? It's one of those things where it's 50-50. It's one of those things where the show is going to leave you guessing. Yeah. So it actually gives you the answer, the complete answer. So it's going to be one of those things that we're going to guess that everybody's going to guess. Is it due to race? 
or is it due to at the end of the day he's still soft and playing that big brother role? I'm gonna take it as you know. I'm gonna take it. I, you can take it as both. You know, I'm gonna take it as that. At the end of the day, he's still kind of that softy because, like I said, he is a product of his environment. We don't know how he was before that. You get what I'm saying? Definitely. So I'm going to take it in the sense of that he still has that soft spot in him. You know, at the end of the day, this is not going to get better. Let me make this work, you know. And also, also you could say, but no, you can't take it as a big brother role because his father bullied him into protecting her and stuff like that. I'm just going to look at that. Maybe he has some kind of, you know, ounce of niceness in him. Maybe he's playing that big bully, I mean, that big brother role. Also, it could be race, you know, because black and white, ebony and ivory, you know. Right. Racism is, is something that still exists nowadays. So maybe it could also be that, hey, you know, I don't want you with my sister because of your color. So it's a, it's a real hard subject. And I actually think this is harder than the kids having sexual desires. I'm sorry. Like, I feel this is a tougher pill to swallow. Right. It is, it is something that's real bad and permeates nowadays. I don't want to talk about that. But it's one of those things where the show will not let you know concrete proof until they decide to let you know, like, hey, until either Billy says it, I don't want you with my sister because of your color, or I don't want you with my sister because I'm supposed to protect her. Oh, yeah. yeah. I think that's what Stranger Things does from season yeah. one to now. It exposes a lot of truths of society back in the 80s, and you can even relate to it now as well, mm. too. Um, but um, not to wrap it up too much no, right real, now. Go real, real quick, real quick, last thing I want to say. Why did I also, um, about the whole Billy thing, sorry to cut you off. No, why, no. I also, why I also said that, that I'm taking it as it's a big brother thing, because in episode, was it nine, when he busts down at Will's house, right. like, hey, Steve, you know, little birdie told me my sister's here. You know, no, she's not here. So who's her that who's that in the window? He sees his sister. Also, he tells him, I'm not liking what's going on here. It looks real fishy. You know, a grown ass man with a little girl like that. What's going on here? You get uh, what I'm saying? That, that sounds sarcastic, in my opinion, though. You think it was sarcastic? I think it was just to get, you know, this this can get you up. this can get you in trouble, Steve. You don't want this going yeah. around that you were alone in the house with a 12 year old. What if that got around? So I don't know. That could have gone 50 50 as well, too. Yeah, no, definitely. I just took it like that, but let, let's see. Hey, you never know. He might soften up after the beating his sister damn near almost gave him with the bat. I thought she was going to crush his nuts. <laughs> it's true. It's true. And I wanted to get into that. So um, the final segment I wanted to get into was just what was our favorite uh, episodes. And oh, okay. I'll step into mine because mine mm-hmm. was the episodes that kind of got things full circle, which was episode six. I felt okay. like um, episode six, we got everything. We got the fact that we knew what the relationship was between Billy and Max. We got Max and Lucas, you know, finally holding hands and maybe having some intentions, you know, at full circle between them. Um, yeah. You got um, Dustin coming around with the Demi Dog, regretting his decisions as well, too, but also. Now that he's regarding his decisions, looking for the help he needs, which was finding Steve. And then you get Steve yeah. coming to full circle, getting the bat, getting everything together, becoming the badass he wanted to be, and just, just saying, you know what, F it. I don't have to deal with Nancy in relationships. I'm just going to go on, see what these kids are up to. And if it's that crazy, I'm up for it. I'm down. And that's what he did. He riled the kids together. He got that great junkyard scene with the, with the many demi-dogs coming through. It was just fun. That episode, it made me feel like, damn, this was the episode that made me say, I, I kind of like this season, too. I love this season. 
I mean, I, that really was a good episode, and that's where everything comes full circle. But my favorite episode, and it's just, I mean, like I said, I enjoyed the whole season overall, but I'm just going to give my tidbit. It's not going to be as epic and detailed as yours, but my favorite episode was eight because, like I said, this is a real, at, at the end, I mean, there, I could say there were a few favorite episodes because, like, um, real quick to just, you know, not, not sit here and, um, rant rant but um it, it it has a like you started seeing a lot of things like you said from the 80s because this is at the end of the day i feel like it's an 80 you know homage you know paying right. homage to the 80s so and it is also a real geek orientated show so i just loved episode eight where um dustin um he hits the he thinks about the mind flare and he just starts geeking and having fun and laughing and then did you see people just trying to shut him yes. down like you know oh but and then Dustin tells him, "Oh no, it's this metaphor that could work." And he goes, "Analogy." And he goes, "Really? That's what you're worried about?" And then you know he starts explaining it with so much love and detail. It it, it just I really felt warm in that episode because it was a little geek out session. Us being nerds and geeks, you know, it made me feel like, "Damn, I really love the show. I enjoyed the show." He kind of gets us. You know what I'm saying? So like he just went full geek on that episode. I feel and I enjoyed it. So I have to say, episode eight, you know. That that's my favorite episode. There are a bunch of favorite episodes, but episode eight for that one little split scene with the whole geek out moment, I really enjoyed it. Let's give our final thoughts on episode nine, the finale, what we liked about it, what we didn't like about it, where we disappointed in the ending. Um, in my case, I felt like the ending fell a little flat for me. I felt like mm-hmm. um, when season one, we finally got the epic showdown with Eleven and the Demigorgon. And her just making it explode and her disappearing in the same process was just so crazy. So seeing here, you know, her going up against, you know, the shadow monster in a way, because the shadow monster was still trapped in the upside down world. It was just her closing the door. It wasn't really her taking on the shadow monster whatsoever. Maybe that's a little tidbit for the future. But the same token, I felt like it was just 11 closing the door. And that was about it. What I did love, though, that snowball dance. Um, I think <laughs> that really hit home for me, especially seeing Lucas and Max kiss. And from what I'm hearing as well, too, that kiss had to be about four or five takes as well, too. So your man Lucas was getting some smooch on. Oh, um, yeah, I know he was loving it. And then, of course, you got the tension finally um, culminate between Eleven and, um, and what's his name, Mike? Mike, yeah, um, Mike, where they and, kiss. And that was fun. Yeah, I felt like yeah. that was just like a feel-good moment for anybody. You know, I'm a savvy guy sometimes, and I like to know that in my teenage years, there was that one girl that I wish I took to the dance and had that, that, that quintessential oh, yeah. kiss. So that felt good to me. What about you? Um, I'm just going to have to jump right into it, and I'm going to tell you I don't like how the show ended. Because like you said... You at the for season one, you saw the obliteration of the de- the Demigorgon by eleven, so it was really epic. I feel that this one was just man it was so lackluster. It had its um its intensity in the sense that okay, you see her get mad as she levitates, like no, stay away from my friends because that's her main thing, right? You know, she loves these friends. She loves her friends. You know, so it had that intense aspect where she's like, nah, you're not getting out of there. I'm going to close it no matter what. You see the blood running from her nose. At the same time, you see Hopper being that father for her, shooting down the demo dogs with the shotgun. So you saw that intensity. I loved it. It was emotions, everything wrapped up in one. But at the same time, like you said, I feel like for me, it was real lackluster because in a way, it was kind of like of a definite stamp on the season. It's like, okay, you're going to trap them. 
fine, that's it. He's not getting out through there. I mean, it leads you to believe where is he going to get out because you see him in the upside-down world, you know, at the end. But I feel like the ending was a bit lackluster because, you know, it, it maybe they did it different because, you know, maybe they expected, like, a little tentacle sticking out or something, a little dog still, you know. But, like, I just felt it was lackluster, and I feel like also it put a definite stamp on the show. Like I said, you do see him at the end in the upside-down world. Eventually, he'll probably escape. He's plotting his revenge. As far as for the dance, um, the dance is pretty awesome. Like, because I liked it as, like, okay, now these kids can actually be kids and they can chill. You get what I'm saying? Like, this is over. Let's, um, you know, chill, have fun, relax. Um, I enjoy seeing Dustin with that little hair, <laughs> you know, when he yes. had the spray can. got the little I mullet going on. Yeah, the little mullet. Once again, you see um, Steve being his big brother almost, you know, that buddy-buddy. He drove him to the dance and everything, like, you know, go knock him dead and stuff like that. The ending, the snowball dance, was a great scene. You saw some smooches, like you said. It culminated finally. Max, I mean, Mike and Eleven, you know. But I just felt a little bit bad for Dustin, but here comes Nancy to save him. So that was pretty cool on her part. Overall, I mean, I felt like I was happy with the ending, but overall I felt like it was just like, eh, a little bit lackluster. Are you looking forward to season three? I mean, we have so many unanswered questions. We know Eleven has her own little sister there that her mm-hmm. has her own powers. We didn't really get to touch into it, but whoever's going to watch yeah. the show, uh, maybe this leads you into watching it again and knows certain parts. I love that she has her own little X-Men powers of um, yeah, manipulation, right. so that's fun. Yeah. I like the whole punk crew that she was hanging around with as well, mm-hmm. too. I would hope to see that in season three. The government as well, two officials that are... Uh, overseeing that organization of giving these kids these powers or finding out that they do have powers, whatever yeah. it may be. That's interesting as well, too. So there's a little bit of tidbits that I, if they went away from the upside down world, I think I'd still be satisfied. What about you? Oh, no, definitely. There's still a lot of unanswered questions because, like you said, is it the government giving these child their powers or is it a, a, a you know, if we look at the mind flare, uh, the mind flare, what they call him, the shadow monster, mm-hmm. he looks like an alien, you know, yes. a tribute to aliens, of course. But, okay, these kids have powers. Could it be that there's this alien race? You get what I'm saying? Where are they getting their powers from? So I would like to see that. I would definitely like to see um, uh, the, the, the Steve dynamic incorporated more. I want to see some more of how Billy will handle Max. I want to see that right there. I want to see also, like you said, um, Eleven's sister. Is she going to try to come back for Eleven? Is she going to try to corrupt Eleven? You know, because she's the one that's corrupted and mad and she's just taking out, you know, her frustration on the world. You know, you saw that she got kind of lost. Or are you going to see Eleven to try to tell her, hey, come to the good side. You know, these are my friends. You know, if the uh, the 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 monster escapes, you know, the mind flyer or whatever, flare, if he was to escape, like, you know, try to recruit her actually for good, you know, so we can actually take this down together. You know, so there's a lot of things that I want to see, a lot of ways they can go. And I'm definitely pumped for season three. Awesome, awesome. Well, guys, I hope you enjoyed this show right here. It was a quick little recap on a show that we love, that we love both seasons. I think we're eager for another season for next year coming out. So, um, bro, Jay, where can people find you? They can find me on bumpers at underscore Jay Rance here with the Stoop and the Kimura Chronicles. Also, the Kimura Chronicles is on iTunes, so you can check that out. That's all MMA talk where we do our thing. Um, they can also find me on Instagram at underscore Jay Rance. My same name is Bumper. And they can catch me on Twitter at EDM Trippy. Awesome. Find you, bro. Oh, they can find me here at SciShow Conversations, doing things of 
pro wrestling, comic books, Netflix, Hulu, theater reviews as well, too. And also co-hosting with you on the Kimura Chronicles. Both of these podcasts are on iTunes, Bumpers, and uh, we got to let the people know for Android users, too, brother. Because yeah. the Kimura Chronicles, <laughs> from what I'm seeing, too, is also on Podcast Republic. Also, um, Sideshow Conversations is both mm-hmm. on podcast republic as well too it's a free little podcast listener for people that can't access into itunes you can find us there uh you can find me on the twitter at uncanny v val cisco um and on facebook we have our little sideshow conversations page where we throw up everything from the kimura chronicles to sideshow conversations to mma news pro wrestling news geek news we get your freak on over there so come join the party culture Yes, everything pop culture. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you yeah. so For sure. I enjoyed this episode. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> All right, brother, wrap it up. This is your episode, so I can't wrap it up. For you. <laughs> Don't worry about it. <laughs> Guys, thank you so much for joining us. Until the next one, brother, have a good one. All right, man, you too. Later.